everyone. Quick announcement. Each week, I try to bring you an episode to the show that offers something for everyone. It might be a training tip, insight into a world or, or national champion's life and how they got to where they are, or it might just be talking sports, the shooting sports in particular, uh, for entertainment purposes. At the bottom of each of my episodes, you will find a Koji link to my website where you can find sponsors, links to guests, things of that nature. Currently, there are three sponsors, Laser App, Gun Butter Lubrication, and now Aim Size Products. I will be putting out um, a specific episode about Aim Size and their products. But by using the links provided, you indirectly support the podcast without any additional cost to you. As a matter of fact, you typically save money by following those links. They'll give you a discount and then they'll send a little bit my way just to kind of help with the podcast. The discount link for Hoist is included. However, I don't, I don't get anything from Hoist, but I believe in their product and I feel it's a hydration product for you, which I highly recommend, especially shooting matches in the summertime where it's hot and humid. Now, if you don't use any of the products listed, there is still a way to support the podcast by using the tip button on the Koji link. It surely isn't required. None of this is required, but it is greatly appreciated. I'm trying to make the podcast as professional as possible, which does take time, a lot of time, and money. You can use the link to email me as well, whether you have suggestions for guests or whatever. Comments, feedback, regardless of whether you use a sponsor link or not, I still hope you enjoy the show. Please like it, share it, and give it a five-star rating if you're so inclined. Thanks. Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's guest is a carry optics grandmaster. He just finished 27th at a stacked 2023 carry optics nationals, and he's about to give you all of his secrets. So join me in welcoming to the show, Tyler Meisenheimer. How's it going? <laughs> Good. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks. And it, you're welcome. And if you would go ahead and uh, introduce yourself. Well, um, as you said, Tyler Meisenheimer, um, Grandmaster in uh, Carry Optics. Um, and I've uh, been shooting USPSA for just a little over six years now. Uh, started in production for a while. Didn't quite get Grandmaster there, but got real close. But uh, switched over to Carry Optics a year ago, and I've been really enjoying that. And uh, yeah, so. <laughs> And Here already in the top 20. Yep, yep. I did better last year uh, in, uh, I think I placed 21. And this year I was a little, made a few mistakes. So I ended up in 27th. So, oh, yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, we'll get there. But at the same time, you had uh, other additional individuals competing for that title. So, Mm-hmm. You know, you had Aaron Eddins and Christian Seiler both there. So there were there were other people that showed up that weren't there last year, too, that you had Correct, to compete yeah. with. So mm-hmm. they, that was a couple of heavy was a, hitters there. <laughs> yeah, that was a hell yeah competition right there. All right. So, Tyler, what I like to do is um, ask a few icebreaker questions to start off and like front load all the difficult questions right in the very beginning. You bet. All right. First question favorite movie Ooh, uh star wars all of them <laughs> <laughs> i was about to ask which one okay all nine of them 
Any particular sure. character your favorite? Well, growing up, I always liked Darth Vader. He was my favorite. Um, and Boba Fett. <laughs> Boba Fett, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, yep. So, big I've Star Wars liked, nerd. So, I've always liked Yoda. Oh, yeah. There's not, uh, there's very few that I dislike, so. Now, I have learned that most people don't read nowadays. So, mm-hmm. your favorite book. Well, since I'm such a Star Wars nerd, most of the books I like to read are Star Wars, but I don't read a whole lot, though, honestly. I like, uh, in, every once in a while, I'll do an audio book or something, but I'm, you know, while I shoot a lot, I'm also a giant nerd, so. Okay. Is there a certain genre of audio books that you listen to, or just anything and everything? Mostly just sci-fi stuff. Okay. So you just stay within that sci-fi genre <laughs> yeah i'm boring when it comes to that kind of stuff you know what you like i mean i'm not going to blame you i there are restaurants i go to that i only order one thing every single time i go there i find what i like and i stick with it so there you go uh, no no complaints here <clears throat> all right so you're into sci-fi so then you might be into superheroes who's your favorite superhero um growing up it was batman you, but you said growing up, so has it changed since you're an adult? No, probably not. Probably still okay. Batman. I go. I don't think about it as hard these days. I guess now my superhero uh. is Nils. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I get that. I can see that. Oh, now did you have you watched all the Batman movies? Uh, pretty much all of them. Yeah. So, who's your favorite Batman? Hmm. Well. Keaton and Christian Bale, probably. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I always forget about Keaton and, and somebody will bring him up. I'm like, oh yeah, he was very good. But I, I would say the same thing. Christian Bale or Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Favorite gun and favorite caliber. And it, it, they don't have to be linked together. Your favorite gun could be a Barrett 50 caliber, but your <laughs> favorite caliber of round could be a 22. Gotcha. Well, I, uh, I mean, it'll probably be, I could go back to growing up. It was always the G36C. I always liked that gun and all the sci-fi movies and stuff like that. I watched that just thought it was a cool gun. Um, now, obviously I really like my shadow Two um, by CZ, uh, and, uh, nine millimeter. It's fine. I don't really have like a particular, I'm not a fanboy of like anything in like in particular, I kind of just like everything, but Okay. You know. Now, is your CZ your favorite gun because it's lime green? Or uh, because you like the gun? I liked it before I made it lime green. <laughs> <Okay>. Hey. <laughs> now it's extra cool. So <laughs> now it matches your jersey. That's right. <laughs> now you need to get well, shoes so that match. I do actually. I do have oh. lime, my uh, shoes that I've been wearing in the last few videos are uh, lime green on the bottom. It, it's just become, it kind of became an inside joke because I started wearing a bright green jersey. I noticed that not a lot of people use bright green. Um, and I've always liked green, but people started coming up to me at matches and being like, hey, you're that like bright green guy on Instagram. I'm like, yep, that's me. <laughs> so I kind of just, now it's just kind of a brand thing. I'm like, I'm the bright green guy. And so that's, you know, it's just funny to me. So I just kind of roll with it. That's funny. <laughs> the bright green guy. Yeah. Oh, you're the green lantern now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Now, 
Uh, it looks like, were you a, a, a video gamer before USPSA? Oh, yeah, big time. I was actually playing right before we got on this. <laughs> okay, so, so you haven't stopped. What, what do you normally nope. play? Uh, shooters and stuff like that. Um, I usually play, you know, Halo, Call of Duty, Destiny 2, just boring stuff. Every once in a while, I'll get into uh, the game called Rocket League, where it's basically soccer, but with, like, cars. It's kind of fun, though. Um, oh, wow. But, yeah, mostly shooters, though. I mean, I started shooters and stuff, and that's what got me into guns, really. So, um, All right. Yeah. Okay, so starting there, when was the first time you shot a gun? Um, probably, I don't remember the exact year. I had to have been around 10 or so. Um, my dad got me a shotgun. We started doing, you know, trap and skeet and stuff like that, you know. So we've always... We've always been a gun family, so. Um, okay, so you kind of grew up But even up before then, it. yeah, even before then, I always had, like, snap caps, BB mm. guns, you know, we did paintball. Mm. I've always, my whole childhood has just been, like, walking Shooting around with big guns in my hands and stuff, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, uh, so it comes naturally, I guess, mm. after all that. Okay, now, that shotgun, was it a 20 gauge, or? It was a 12, it was a Browning, um. Okay. Gauge. And we would uh, do some of those good bonding stuff. My dad always had a couple shotguns and some Rugers and stuff like that. And we, uh, you know, it's what we like to do. We like loud noises. Yeah, that's pretty solid, a 12-gauge at 10. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm sure when I was 10, the gun would have been bigger than me. So, <laughs> yeah. Oof. All right, so you basically grew up around guns started shooting at a young age how in 2017 how did you find the uspsa well because we would uh me and my father sometimes our brothers would come along and other friends and we would do we try to go at least once a month we'd do like a you know a range day where we'd go and shoot trap or skeet or something like that for a few hours and have some fun and then you know but uh we always would hear off in the distance at my local club like you know, what I know now is a plate rack, but we always just assumed it was, uh, that was cowboy people shooting, you know, and for some reason, like mm. I always grew up, I loved cowboy movies and stuff, but I just, I just liked shotguns. And so I just never really thought anything of it, you know? And, uh, and so we, I mean, we did that for years and we'd always hear, cause we'd always go on a Sunday and that's when they did the match over there. And uh, we always hear just rapid fire and stuff like that. I don't know why I never looked sooner. I, I really regret not doing it sooner, but I went and uh, did some uh, trap one day with one of my buddies, and he was just like, I want to go check out that cowboy stuff. And I was like, all right, fine, let's go walk over there. And we walked over there, and I just happened to walk right into where uh, the match director, actually. So then he showed me around, and I was just like, oh, this is not cowboy action stuff. This is different. And I immediately was like, how do I do this? You know, because I, uh, I had a few pistols by then, and um, actually, at that time, I had a, just a USP but I didn't want to use it for competition, but that's later. So anyway, started talking to the master director. Um, that was in California where I used to live and they require that you did a, uh, safety class before you do a match. So I went and did the safety class and then just like, just started doing it right after that. I never even took a break. So I love it. Now, how, how old were you when you found it? Hmm. 2017. Well, so, I'm 33 now, so six years ago was 27. What, 27 then. 
Yeah. So. Okay. So a little not not as late as me, but not not in your early twenties or teens. You found it late nope. later in your twenties. You mentioned and any going back and looking at your stuff, it looks like you started in production. What gun did you start with then if you didn't use your USP? Well, one of my buddies who uh did it a little bit in Texas, he uh <laughs> he recommended a Glock seventeen. So that's what I went and got. You know, got that regular, you know, Serpa holster and the Black Hawk mag pouches, you know, and <laughs> thought I was the man, you know, and went and uh, so got humbled pretty quickly and then you know there we are so i just just had that conversation the other night i guess rob hewins was you know he he got all of his competition advice from grand thumb on youtube so he had like a whole war belt and and serpa holster and all this other nonsense (laughs) oh yeah same same thing that's pretty funny yeah most people start off the same way it's funny like (laughs) Now, looking back, do you feel that you should have just started with the USP and gone with that, or? No, I, I still I still have that Glock. I like it a lot. I mean, I feel like, you know, I feel like things would have turned out probably the same anyway. But I just, you know, I definitely saved ammo by not shooting forty five all the time, or uh, saved money. I mean, that's oh. what I meant to say. So okay. that was one of the things. Is my buddy was like, "Hey, like nine millimeters cheaper," and I was like, "Okay." So I just kind of went with what he was suggesting. So especially in 2017, mm-hmm. it's not quite as cheap today, but it was much nicer back then. Oh yeah. So, it, how many matches or seasons did you go through before you decided to change your gear out? Um. It was about a year, maybe a year and a half, and then I uh, started shooting with a couple other buddies that had uh, SPO1s, because that was the thing you can get at that time. So I went and got a uh, SPO1, um, did all the Cajun stuff to it, got it all tricked out, and shot that for about a year. And then uh, I had a buddy who was selling a Shadow 2, and so I bought it from him. And that's when I switched to that. So after about did- two and a half, three years, I guess, I got the... I'd have to like look and see the date in my photos or something, but yeah, I mean, it was probably three years, give or take, into the sport. So, did you use that same Serpa holster the whole time with your Glock? No, I ended up switching out with uh, pretty quickly after. Obviously, I'd, I'd asked mm. around people what they were using. Um, so, ever since then, I'm I've always used Blade Tech holsters. I've had really good luck with them. I've never broken one. Um, in my opinion, they're very high quality. I know there's a lot of, I mean, but there's, there's a million things out there, but it's just what I've used. I've got good with it and it's always been, you know, it's always worked for me. So I've just stuck with those holsters. Um, and then I kind of switched back and forth with the uh, blade tech belts and alpha gear and stuff like that. Um, kind of refined it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So you've got all that set up now. Now when, so you said it was about three years before you switched over. So you use that, Glock, um, basically the whole time mm-hmm. you were in production. Now, did at what point did you end up switching out of production and carry optics just a year ago or two years ago? Two years ago. Yeah. When I, uh, it was okay. once, so just a little over two years ago, I moved here to South Carolina. And, um, when I got here, there was like nobody shooting production clearly because you know there's a lot of freedom and stuff here so they, a lot of open guns <laughs> a lot of limited guns right so i just 
I got, I like competition. I'm a very competitive person. And I just, I was not having fun just basically playing by myself. So I uh, ended up switching. I just used my Shadow 2. I already had Terran tactical base pads. So I just, just started shooting limited with my uh, Shadow 2 in 9mm. And I just did that for a while. And then, you know, a buddy of mine was like, dude, get a dot. And I was like, fine, because like, that's where all the competition's at. I want to go over the biggest, you know, where all the heat's at, right? That's where I want to, that's what I want to do. I want to, that's how I could really test myself is go up against all the people that are, you know, the best of the best. And they were all in that division, you know? And so I decided to switch to that. And uh, now I really like dots and I kind of put them on like all my guns now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I was against them for a long time. Wow, that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So at what point then did you decide, I'm really liking this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work and get better at this sport to be a grandmaster or to be whatever it is you, you wanted to accomplish? I would say that started initially probably one year into the sport. My first year was kind of just like I'm just doing this for fun. And then I kind of was like, I started to get a little better, even though I was still using the Glock at that time, you know, and then I ranked up to B class and then thought I was the man and started taking, uh, I took a Ben Steiger class and then, you know, um, so right out, yeah, about a year into it, took a Ben class immediately. I basically skipped B and went right to A after that class. I learned a lot. Um, it was actually a double, it was a Ben Steiger and Wansett class. Um, and so I learned a lot from both those guys, basically skipped B, went to A. And I just started, um, I was just like, man, I like, I want to see how far I can like go with this. You know, I was like, I don't want to just like take this, you know, casually anymore. I want to try to see if I can be, you know, one of the top shooters. And I just really started, I mean, I was dry firing for a long time. I was dry firing every single day, you know, and I would do lots of live fire practices. I went to three or four matches a month and I really just started taking it very seriously and, um, I don't dry fire as much now, though, because um, a lot of it's just second nature. I'll probably dry fire a little bit for a match, but um, yeah, that's kind of the timeline of that, I guess. Okay. Now, it, what what do you think it was specifically about the Juanza Kim Ben Steger class that really propelled you forward? They Ben and Juancic, um, you know, at that time they really broke it down, which I mean, Hwansik still does a lot. I mean, they both do, but they, it just, for some reason, they reson- they resonated with me the way that they kind of explained how to like the grip, how to pull the trigger, or, like every little like detail that they like went into and like they, how to get your gun up, like in, into positions and stuff like that sooner, you know, that way you're shooting sooner and stuff like that. I just, uh, I don't know. I just started taking a lot of that to heart and you get the, you know, the Ben Steiger book. And then I started going through the drills and, you know, I really love the accelerator drill. I still use it to this day. Um, and I just, uh, you know, there's just a lot of those drills. I just started working on a lot and then doing a lot more uh, live fire than I did dry fire. And and it started just, and then honestly, just like going to a lot more matches. Like, you know, if you only go to one or two matches a month, it's a diminishing skill and you start to lose it. So you know, going to a match like every weekend, I mean, you're just always building on that foundation as opposed to, you know, losing some of it. And uh, so I think just just being consecutively just doing it like over and over and over and never stopping. Okay. 
So let's hold up right there for a second. Um, what, you know, you can't, you can't train something at a match. So how were you using your matches to get better? Was it just the mental focus aspect of it? Or how, how were you using those three to four matches a month to get better? So what I was doing at that time um, was I would pick something like for every month. Because for me, it always is like the scale, right? You have accuracy and you have speed. You can't have both right. at the same time. So I would always choose like once. I'm like, all right, this month, full speed. I don't even care if I get mics and stuff. Just absolute, just going as absolutely fast as I can. I do that for a whole month at every match. And I mean, it would, I would, you know, my accuracy would obviously suffer greatly. But in that whole month, right. I would gain a lot of knowledge and self-analyzing that I can do to kind of keep that speed going and make it second nature. So then like the month after that, I'd be like, all right, now I'm going to focus on just accuracy. Try not to lose all the speed back to where I was, but like I gained this much and try to maybe just lose a little bit to get my accuracy up to that level. So it was like every month it was like speed, accuracy, speed, accuracy. Like, and I would just do like, that's all I would think about like, you know, for, for months, you know, like instead of just doing like match by match, it's like this entire match I'm focusing on one thing. And, you know, cause I, we can only really focus on like one thing at a time, <laughs> you know, it's, especially once that beat right. goes off, just everything just <laughs> right. goes out the window. Um, so at least if I could focus on one thing and grip is always there. It's always, always thinking about gripping the gun hard so that way you don't get loosey goosey, but grip the gun and then go fast or grip the gun and be really accurate. It was always kind of my, my thing. Okay. So was this the time frame where you were dry firing a lot then between matches? I would say so. Yeah. So it was like, you know, three, four years ago. Okay. All right. So that, that makes sense then as to how you were doing that. So I assume then you're, mm -hmm. you're videoing all of these matches and, and looking at it as well as um, oh, yeah. analyzing what your scores were. So definitely. I, I think even if you don't want to, or if you're not going to post your videos, like even if you think you suck, like record everything and like being able to watch your videos and self analyze and be like, okay, well, I, this is where I failed here. Like I didn't step into this position, right? Now you know what to work on when you do live fire or dry fire next, like being able to really watch your videos and critique yourself was like, I did that a lot. So, and watching okay. pros. So I'd be like, how do they do that? And watch, I used to watch Shane Coley a lot. So I'd try to, I really liked how Shane Coley, his movement, super aggressive around stages. And I just, I try to emulate that as much as possible into my own shooting. Okay. Now, why did you, what was it about him? Did he like fit your style then? Is that? I feel like it. What it was? Yeah. Okay. I feel like Shane's like movement around stages at that time, like when I was going through like B and A and into master and stuff like that, I just, I don't know why for some reason. And cause a lot of pros don't post their stuff like that really, you know, which I think kind of stinks. Like, I think it'd be fun to watch and see like what they're doing so we could all, you know, see what we're doing wrong as well too, and compare. That's why I like posting a lot of my videos. Cause I know I have a lot of people that, you know, enjoy watching my videos and seeing how I do things. And, you know, I don't, in, if it was up to me, I, I want everybody to get better. I want everybody to excel and get better in the sport. I don't, I don't, I'm not like 
scared of people getting as good as me and starting to beat me. That just makes me want to try harder. So I, I like being able to help people. I do a lot of one on one trainings and stuff too. I, you know, I, I want everybody to get better. So I, you know, believe in that. Well, I think too, in today's time, uh, a lot of those guys use it as additional income. You know, they'll put it under some subscription service or something like that where mm-hmm. they'll share it and they'll break it down. But, you know, that's how they're earning income on the side, whether it be to shoot the matches yeah. or, or what. So, um, which I understand. I mean, I but I totally. do appreciate when people post them. You mentioned Nils earlier. He's always posting his stuff. He's gotten really good about it lately, yeah, too. So, yeah, um, it's been fun watching his videos, even, you know, then you get to see, like, like, damn, how is he beating me by like 10 seconds or something? You know, it's like, it's like, okay, now right. I'm seeing why and where, you know, and it's, and I think that's, it's fun. It's, that's part of the challenge. And I enjoy the challenge and being able to try to better myself and stuff like that. Okay. It's funny because uh, he posted one yesterday or the day before um, the Stronghand Weekend at Nationals. Mm-hmm. And he didn't even look like he was moving very fast on his draw. You know what I mean? It's just like, dude, dude, almost like he's being casual about it. I'm <laughs> it, like, it is How, funny. what? He, he's so like smooth in all of his movements that it's like it just it it looks like it's slow motion sometimes. It's wild, but uh, you know those targets were far. I mean, you know, yeah. Like even though, like you know, I did my scoop draw, which is fast and stuff. But I mean, I really was like focusing on getting really good trigger prep out there to get that first shot off, you know, correct. Instead of just trying to do it fast stages like that are like survival stages, especially at those distances. I mean, with strong hand, we can, you absolutely need to aim. You can't just, it's tough because at like Point. nationals, you mm-hmm. think like, I want to go fast. Cause I know everybody else is going fast time. You know, I try to shoot time free as much as possible because that's like, you know, the mind killer. And then you start screwing up your stages, but it, uh, yeah, so definitely a stage like that, like, you know, I didn't feel like I went as fast as I normally could have either because I was really trying to knock it penalties. I ended up still getting a one mic on that stage on my strong hand, but it was close. <laughs> so. <laughs> and, you know, I had, Tim Dundry came on right after Nationals, and we were mm-hmm. chatting, and, you know, the thing we, we both saw was everybody had a bad day. You know, they had one day that was not as good as the others, and it's almost like I think everybody had that same thing. Like they were, I, I think at times they were finding it hard to throttle back. You know, it's tough. And for me, it was Friday because it was raining like all day, and the humidity was terrible. I mean, Friday was really rough, and we had to start on the stage that had like the biggest pond of water in it, and it just was like it just kind of set the the tone, which was negative for like the whole first day. It was really uh, frustrating. And then uh, Saturday and Sunday picked it up and, you know, everybody on my squad Friday would just murdered us. And then we all did better Saturday and Sunday. Like, <laughs> so. Uh, but, all right. I got to yeah. ask you, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stop with the normal flow of questions uh, because I, I've been staring at your Hunter's HD gold glasses because you're wearing them indoors. So you wear them all the time. I have prescription uh, lenses, and so I just, they're my only glasses that I have now. So I just wear them all the time, every day, at work, out of work, all day, all night. And, uh, you know, the yellow, you get used to it really quick. It makes the the world look a little, 
brighter, I guess, unless it's gray. So it actually, they also, they help get rid of the blue light and I get migraines and headaches a lot. And they seem to help mm. a little bit with that. So I actually don't mind the yellow and you just get used to it. I don't even notice the yellow anymore. Well, I'm, I, I prefer yellow or green, whatever you want to call them. You know, that, that mm -hmm. lime green color lens <laughs> because it, it, the contrast, especially when yes. you're shooting is unbeatable. I used to wear, Definitely. um, similar shade of yellow shooting glasses when yep. I would shoot iron sights back there at a thousand yards and it would make that bullseye perfectly clear and round even at a thousand yards on that white Definitely. paper so it has a way to uh, kind of like mesh all the greens and browns together so like reds and stuff pop really good at least that's how yeah. i see it so I, I and i know somebody who's um was actually when i was in middle school he was my football coach and my my gym coach um so now he's in his 70s and he wears them all the time for night driving. They've improved his ability to drive at night. So those, uh, Brian has a, a great product there. So he sure does. Uh, there's a, a nice little one minute commercial for him. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, not only is it a good product, I mean, Brian is an outstanding individual. I mean, he, yeah. he's such a good dude. He makes you want to wear his products. Like he really is like, he is Hunter's HD Gold. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody can complain about Brian at all. So, um, all right. So, getting back on trap. All right. You mentioned scoop draw. Now, did you start doing a scoop draw, or at what point did you go? I'm going to try this other thing and throw my gun. <laughs> it literally. <laughs> I I always just did the regular draw, and uh, one of my mentors, his name's Kent. Uh, he trained me and one of my buddies, Sean, up to, you know, kind of where we were at that time. He got me all the way up to master, great dude. And one day he just, after we got done with the match, he's like, hey, dude, you got to come over. You need to try something. And I was like, he's like, I feel like you would, this would work for you. And I was like, what? So I went over to his house and we, uh, he started, she's like, this is called a scoop draw and kind of showed me the, uh, the thought process behind it and how he does it. And he doesn't even like doing that, I don't think. Um, but I don't remember. It's been a while since I've hung out with Kent, but uh, he may or may not use it or not still. But uh, yeah, he just showed it to me one day, and I just was like, you know what? This like feels faster. And I was like, for me, the draw sets the pace for the rest of the stage. Um, and so me and Tom Castro agree on that a lot. And so starting off with like that quick speed and saving time right off the bat, like just you know, makes sense. And I just, I've, I mean, I've done it. I've, dry fired that draw more than anything else. And I, you know, I almost never get a bad draw with it anymore because I've done it so much and it's, uh, definitely saves time right off the bat. So I like it. So what is the trick then? Because, you know, I, I do the, the normal drive the hand down, grab the grip, mm -hmm. pick it up, point it. Um, so, you know, I, I get the webbing up high on the back of the grip every time, but I guess, are you using your middle finger as your guide then when you come up to grab underneath the trigger guard? How are you getting the Somewhat, same yeah. grip in the same place every time? 
Well, so it's funny, right? I literally just made a video probably 10 minutes before this, and I'll post it right <laughs> after. So everybody will be able oh. to see my kind of – it's a little two-minute video on how I do it. Um, but okay, perfect. For the most part, I'm just using these uh, – I'm trying to get in the camera here. These three fingers just right here. Just raise it up a little bit. So I try raise to – Raise up about you know, three inches. I, there yeah, you I go. Try to get, I try to get as high up as I can on the – because it's not even so much about the beaver tail at this point. When it's in the holster, right. I try to ride up the holster and get up as high as I can. I kind of have a forward motion, so it keeps me all the way up with it. Oh. And then I just pull it out with my hand, like just these three fingers only. And my right. finger and this are not even touching the gun yet. It's just like, boom, I just get it out with these three fingers. And then you'll see in my video, it's number two is where I actually ro <laughs> roll my, my thumb over the top of the beaver tail and meet my other hand here. And it's kind of a simultaneous like transaction, essentially. Um, wow! But I mean, it it definitely takes. It took a lot. Like, it, I would say when I first started, I mean, I was always getting these these low, really low, because I just get these mm. terrible draws out of the holster. But eventually, you once you figure out the like the kind of angles and stuff that you need to pull it out of your holster from, and the angle that you need to have your holster at, it's uh, and then just doing it a lot. Obviously, I mean. Now I've kind of right. got it down where I just like never get a low grip anymore. Um, maybe one out of every hundred draws, I'll get a low grip. Okay. But then you just fix it really quick because now you've already saved time by getting it out so fast. I just correct it when I get my hands together right before the shot or whatever. All right. And for the record, for me, number two means I'm using toilet paper, but that's a totally different <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> that's right next week we'll talk about that <laughs> yeah yeah I, there'll be a short 10 minute video on that next week <laughs> how to properly roll the toilet paper so anyway well that's interesting definitely i'm definitely gonna watch it yeah and i knew there would have to be and I always like all right it's it's gotta be you know using that middle finger as your guide to come up and get that same purchase every time Yep. I, I'm just I'm just afraid to do it because I know how I am and I know I'm going to throw my gun and I'm like I'm going to break an optic and I'm so that I would makes definitely me definitely suggest like I have the lock grips aluminum grid um, I I think you have to have a pretty aggressive grip to be able to do this like you know in conjunction with having like you know the pro grip or whatever that you use. Being able to have the confidence that, I mean, even with just these three fingers, you have the gun in your hand, you're not going to drop it. That's, uh, once you can get past that, it's not as bad. But if you're, I've never once thrown my gun doing this draw. Never once. Even when I first started it. I mean, because I just, I did it slower at first to really make sure I was getting a good grip on the gun. But as long as you, um, you know, as long as you have the grip and aggressive, you know, pro grip on your hands and then aggressive grips on your gun. I mean, it's it's not going to go anywhere, but you have to, you know, you have to build that confidence like with anything else. Okay. Well, now you know what? Now you've talked me into it. I'm going to I'm going to try it a few times and see, <laughs> make sure I don't throw it. But I, I haven't I mean, I shoot canics, so I can put one of my older canics in there that I've taken optics off of. And, yep. and do start it with that, the couch, so at least, you know. That way, you throw, you throw it into a couch, which I did that at first. Right, and I never it, ended up throwing it, but I was prepared to throw it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it hitting the couch and bouncing off. <laughs> unloaded, always unloaded. Yeah, yeah, always. Holy so, cow. 
So when you say you dry fired every day, are we talking a half hour, an hour, two hours, 12 hours? What are we talking? At least a half hour was what I used to do. I mean, I'd put the belt on, you know, and it was always me and my wife would watch Netflix and she would be sitting on the couch. I'd be off to the side, just aiming at the people on the screen, <laughs> you know, just working on transitions in between like the characters on the screen and stuff. I mean, I just absolutely was like, I need to make this gun literally not even an extension, but like part of my arm was kind of my right. goal. So at what point did you transition to basically not quite stopping your dry fire, but um, slowing that down and picking up with live fire? Well, at that time I was doing both. Um, I was trying to do live fire and dry fire as much as possible. I definitely, um, I would say once I, once I made Grandmaster, I stopped dry firing as much. I don't know if it's a mental thing, like, ah, oh, I finally made it or something. But, like, I'm not – there's still so much to learn and do after that anyway. I just – I feel like the dry fire doesn't do as much for me now. It's just kind of a good warm-up before a match. Um, but now the live fire is where I really start to, like, work on things and get more gains out of it than I do the dry fire anymore. But I mean, I'm not saying don't do one or the other. I think that they're both extremely vital. I just, I just, and I would probably get even better if I dry fired again, like I used to, but I just, I just haven't. So, oh, well. Okay. Now you had said that early on you increased your number of matches and like one month you would work on speed the next month accuracy. Now, when you slowed down your dry fire, so when you became a GM and you, you started doing more with live fire, did you have the same type of process? Like, okay, for the, did you do it um, training session by training session, or did you have something that you wanted to work on, say, for a month, and then next month I'll work on something different? How did that work out? So I guess now... I do feel like so now it's kind of stage by stage. I kind of evaluate the stages and see like what do I think would gain me an advantage on a stage, whether it would be like, oh, this is a survival stage, like the strong end weekend one, like I need to take my time and get my hits on this one because it's going to be better than going fast or vice versa. If it's a short stage with open targets, clearly getting a couple of Charlies is going to be all right if I absolutely just blaze through it. But the... Um, with the live fire and stuff now, you know, I'll work on a lot of movement stuff. Um, you know, I've taken a Tom Castro class twice now. Excellent class. His, like, biggest strength is shooting and moving or shooting on the move and, like, exiting and entry into things. And, I mean, that's that's been, like, a huge thing for me is working on movement skills. And um, I would say now it matches. I don't think so hard about, like, like do I need to go work on speed or work on accuracy? Now it's literally just execute like execute the plan execute my fundamentals and like don't mess up and it's like and i don't think about messing up i just try to execute my plans and my fundamentals and then it seems to work out pretty good <laughs> all right so you've taken at least three classes then because you took the one with ben and Juanzik mm -hmm. and tom twice have you trained with anybody yep. else um just different gms over the years um like but not like any like legitimate classes, just practicing live fire, practicing with certain people. Um, and then, but the, any official classes, those are the only three official classes I've taken. Okay. 
Now, going back for a minute, I guess what I was I was meaning to ask was, does your training take on a theme like your match shooting took on a theme? Or do you just, like, like let's say this week's over, so next week. Does mm -hmm. next week have a theme, or are you just going to go out there, right before you go out there, you're going to come up with, all right, this is what I'm working on. Or do you have, like, a theme, next week I am working on entry, the week after I'm working on exit, The you know what I mean? Mm. I would say that, like, a lot of times now I work on a lot of those things, you know, our our practices that I do with a couple of my buddies, um, we try to do it once a month. It doesn't always work out, but we try to do it once a month. We go through like, you know, five, 600 rounds. And a lot of it is just, you know, a lot of those things. It'll be like, you know, entries, exits, moving, shooting on the move, you know, like, and I mean, we just do a lot of movement stuff now, it seems like, but, uh, cause now the shooting is not as important because we can shoot well. It's more about, getting through a stage efficiently um but i don't know i wouldn't really say that there's really like a theme anymore it's just like you know hey guys what do we feel like we want to work on today that we're kind of like slacking at and be like oh man my like transitions are were dog crap at the other match the other day so we will throw in some you know transition drills or something i mean but there's not really like a theme we just kind of we try to figure out what our weaknesses are and work on them okay so do you guys critique each other when you're practicing oh yeah Oh yeah. Okay. So now what, what about the Tom uh, Castro class? Did you, like we talked about um, Ben and Wanzik, Um What was it about Tom's class? Was it primarily the movement or was there something else in there? Well, Tom does break a lot of things down. He has a couple like these, uh, these rule things that he, uh, you know, goes through and I'll just, you know, I'm not going to say it cause I don't, you know, that's up to him to talk to people yeah. about it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Tom has a couple different ways of explaining things that absolutely resonated with me. And he's just a, a really good dude. And the funny thing about Tom too, is he's literally just 100% energy. He literally, if you keep asking questions, he will just keep going. We've had classes go for like over 10 hours one day. I mean, it's just insane. Like we just kept going. We started at the breakneck of dawn and we just went till the freaking sun went down. I mean, just all day shooting through hundreds of rounds and it just, you know, working on tons of different stuff. And he just, the way that he just explains things like I, it resonated with me more than some of the Ben and Fonsick stuff, honestly. And his, his movement stuff. I used to joke and make fun of him because he used to say like, oh man, I'm revolutionizing the sport. And I used to talk so much smack and always oh, revolutionary, but man, I like the way he does it is <laughs> outstanding. And I mean, I was a pretty decent master. I mean, I've absolutely excelled because of Tom and the way that he teaches. So now I wonder too, how much more you were able to pick up because you already had a class and you had mm -hmm. a, a greater base knowledge. You know what I mean? It's possible. Definitely. So, um, but because, I mean, even the way they, that he explains like, you know, reloads and stuff, like he helped me with my freaking reload and I'm a production shooter. Like I didn't think that was possible, but he found a way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, anyway. All right. So you, you and him on a communication level work very well together. Definitely. I mean, we're really All good right. friends now. now. We talk like every day, so. Okay. 
Now, is there anybody else that uh, if you had a choice, let's say, let's say you, you win a match and, and one of the prizes is you get to take a class with anybody you want free of charge. Is there anybody out there that you're like, you know, that's the one guy I wouldn't mind because he might be able to help me with X. I feel like the other like really big one that I haven't taken would maybe be a JJ class. Um, just because it'd be interesting to see his perspectives on things. I'm, I'm always, I'm a big proponent of there are many ways to do this, not a way. So like every time yeah. I take a class or train with different people, I'm just adding skills to my utility belt, going back to Batman there. But um, just, you know, so, I mean, it would be interesting to see the way that he explains certain things. And I've, I've talked to some friends that have taken some classes of his and I, I you know, it's interesting to hear like, but at the end of the day, a lot of us seem like we're kind of just saying the same thing, but with different terminology. But definitely, uh, that was my long-winded version of just saying, I'd take a JJ class. Okay. And it, when you were saying that, there was something that popped up in my mind. So I'm trying to pull it up real quick while we're, while we're chatting. And that is, there was a, um, here we go, National Champions. There was a year where... JJ and Ben, it might've been 2018. I think it was 2018. Ben won production and it might've been limited. And uh, Ben was second, JJ won uh, limited. But in production, JJ was second to Ben. So they flip-flopped first and second. Yeah. And the, the, the reason that popped up in my mind was you're like, you know, you wouldn't mind taking a JJ class or, you know, getting his perspective because can you really find two more polar opposite people, especially personalities between Ben and JJ? You know what I mean? (laughs) But I mean, we're talking two very, very high level, equally competent shooters, but with two completely different personalities and probably ways of getting their points across. So exactly. Yeah. I think it's like, you got to, hear everybody out and their different way of explaining things. Cause you don't know what is going to resonate with you or make more sense to you and, you know, make a light bulb, you know, turn on. So. Yeah. And, and again, uh, it go- the other thing you said, which I was just telling somebody um, a few days ago was there's no, r- there, there are ways to do things. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. As long as you're getting the result you need, and those two, again, are a prime example. You know that they shoot differently, they train differently, they do things differently, but they're getting the same result. So yep. neither one's right, neither one's wrong. They're just doing what works for them. So Exactly. All right, so let's talk. Did you shoot CO Nats last year? I did. Was that your... your your first national was my second i've done three now i did uh three years ago i was at production nationals um i got i was only a master rank there i got first rank uh first place master and got eighth overall at that one um and then last year went to you know co nats and got 21st and then uh just a you know a month ago went and got a 27th at nats so Okay. It's definitely a bigger pool at the CO Nationals, obviously, right? So, I mean, any little mistake you do is like, now you're next place down. Now you're next place down. I mean, you absolutely have to execute everything perfectly. It's tough. 
but it's a fun challenge. Yeah, the, everybody was very, very tight in those standings all the way down. I mean, yeah, you look crazy. like people are winning by one point or a half a second. It's it's wild. Like the 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 difference yeah. between you know so many. It's like there's like twenty places, and it's all like not even four percent of a difference. It's wild, and that I think that's fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and from the outside looking in and following it, it's even more. It's like it's like whoa. Oh, they finish another stage. Oh, we have a change again in the standings. It's like people are moving up, yep. people are moving down. It's like a whole shuffle of a deck of cards. It's like, damn, yep. what's going on? And I'm one of those. I'm one of those weird people where I'm looking after every stage, like because I don't, I don't let the uh, the stats affect. Like I'm just going to shoot how I shoot. I'm not going to do anything different. All right. So this year, so how much prep did you do prior to last year's Carry Optics Nationals? Um, I mean, I don't feel like I prepped probably as much. I feel like we got one, like one decent training session in, um, you know, maybe like a week before the match. And then, uh, luckily it was kind of cool. Um, obviously I'm hanging out with Tom and, uh, all of our buddies, um, he had a student that also was uh, shooting the match as well, but he has a private range. So we all got there Tuesday night and then we walked stages Wednesday and Thursday night. We actually went and uh, actually went to a private range and got to practice and set up a couple stages like Thursday night right before the match. So that was kind of fun. So what I'm hearing is you guys cheated. That's what I just heard. Yes, that's okay. right. If you're not hey, cheating, you're anybody not can go to a, a range, you know, and shoot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. <laughs> it so. sounds pretty smart to me. Mm-hmm. Now well. this year, though, you you make it sound like you did more prep this year. Well, I would say like more prep in just the sense that like, you know, we, I mean, we always go to the matches, the big major matches. We always go a day or two ahead, and walk the stages, get our game plans for all the stages. And then, you know, then we go shoot. This is the first time that we ever like went and walked all the stages and then went to a range and practice. You know, a lot of times we dry fire the night before, but we've never actually went and shot actual, you know, we're, we were all lucky that, you know, we brought a little extra ammo because we weren't even like ready to do that. And we were just like, Oh, well, okay, let's go live fire. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like I do kind of the same amount of prep usually. Just live fire a few times before that, work on some things I need to work on. And then I think the big thing is being able to go to a match early and really looking, you know, there's one thing to look at the pictures on the matchbook. It's another thing to actually go walk all the stages and really get your game plan in. Yeah. The first time I went to a Nationals was 2020. And I, you know, I looked at the matchbook hard. And then I got there and I'm like, wait a minute, these these stages don't match the matchbook. What what's going on? They here? never do. <laughs> somebody yeah. somebody can't see pictures. <laughs> and uh Yeah, right. So, you know, obviously 2021, I'm like, okay. I looked it over, but I didn't make any plans. I'm like, all right, interesting. Went, shot the match. Last year I was like, okay. Now I had a better idea of what I was looking at and what was going on. So then I started looking at, okay, strong hand, weak hand stuff, um, you know, steel. I started breaking it down in pieces. Mm-hmm. 
So I'd have a much better idea of, all right, do I, what do I want to dry fire or what, you know, live fire I can do. Um, gotcha. Now, so when this year was early, I mean, June is early yeah. in the season. Lucky for you, you live in South Carolina where, you know, you could probably start shooting outdoors comfortably in about February, roughly. I mean, we never stop. Early we March. shoot all through December, everything, man. Okay. I mean, just the only thing that maybe stops us is if like a giant thunderstorm rolls through. But, you well, know, I mean, if it's sprinkling a little bit or, you know, if it's just cold out or hot out, we, we go year round. We don't have an issue with that. So, I mean, we never stop. Okay. So then for you, it being in June didn't matter. Mm-mm. No, because I'd never, I've never taken an off season in six years. Well, that was going to be my next question. No mm-hmm. off season at all, huh? I don't believe in it. I mean, if you want to get better, you don't stop for a couple months and then hope you do okay when you pick it back up. I mean, you just got to always keep grinding. Right. Um, do you? But do you slow down at all during the holidays? Not necessarily stop, mm-hmm. but just. Or is it always the same level of, of practice? I feel like it's always the same. I mean, we always find a way to, we still go to, I still do three, four matches in like, you know, November, December. And, you know, we just work around it. So unless like, you know, the holiday can directly conflicts with a match, then it's like, okay, I'm doing one less match, but I'm still doing three more matches this month. I mean, that's just, it's a, you know, me and a couple of my, my group of buddies, it's just, it's our hobby somehow we found a way to let our, you know, our wives let us do it, you know, <laughs> nonstop. And, uh, yeah, so we just go for it. Okay. Hmm. That's good that they're very supportive like that. <laughs> very supportive. <laughs> yes. Now, was there anything when you, did you look at the matchbook for this year's carry optics nationals? Yeah. So actually that you said something a little bit ago and, and then I, now you've reminded me again. So I always look at the matchbook, not so much like I'll look kind of vaguely at the pictures, kind of get an idea of what I'm looking at. But the big thing I'm looking for when I'm looking through a matchbook is like, what kind of swingers are there? What kind of activators, what kind of start positions, strong hand, we can like what kind of things are going to be different than an average like stage. And so that's the kind of stuff like, all right, there's going to be table starts. All right, well, let's work on some table spark. Uh, table starts at our next practice session, you know, and figure out if there's ways we can kind of like, you know, get proficient in that. So obviously for this match, we knew there was going to be some long distance strong in weekend. So you better believe we worked on that, you know, um, okay. just shot a lot of that. Right. So, I mean, I was, I felt fully prepared for that stage and I was actually surprised I got a mic. I was like, damn, I've been working on this so much. How'd I do that? Like, <laughs> you know, but I mean, if you watch my weekend, like, section of that stage i mean i definitely had the fastest time if not one of the because i was i mean i am actually left-handed um but i'm kind of ambidextrous so i do shoot right-handed and i am right eye dominant but the gun does not feel awkward in my left hand i feel like i actually shoot better left-handed if i was going to shoot one-handed so uh, okay um that definitely helps <laughs> uh, okay now you had mentioned that you're not necessarily overjoyed with your performance. A couple of things. Are you, did you, is there anything you took out of nationals that you're like, that's not going to get me next year? Well, so I think like in the last year, 
what, you know, me and my friends and Tom, we all work on a lot of just like flowing through a stage, running, movement, entries, exits, and, you know, shooting on the movement, stuff like that, and trying to find ways to continuously be shooting the gun. And I feel like at, you know, I don't want to try to sound like a jerk. So I got to try to word all these things very carefully because I, I do enjoy nationals and I don't want to seem like a jerk, but, you know, unfortunately they, there's only a couple people that design all the stages and there's kind of one flavor. And, uh, right. I feel like this year at Ohio, while I did enjoy some of the stages, unfortunately they were kind of held back a little bit by the entire zone a being, that you can't shoot. Mm. There's no like 180. It's all straight down into one burn. Right. So it kind of, you know, the entirety of zone one was kind of vanilla feeling at times. And it, you know, it kind of left you with very little options. Um, but, and then to try to combat that, he just was like, let's throw literally half hardcover ipsic targets like everywhere. Like there, so it was just like instead of making stages where you can flow through areas, it felt like it was like stop, stand, shoot, run, stop, stand, shoot. Which, I mean, you know. So I feel like that's where, and I wish there was different flavors. I wish they would allow other people to like maybe submit stage designs and stuff like that. And you know, they do a great job, and I know it's a lot of hard work. I I MD two matches in this area, so I understand how difficult it is to be an MD. Um, so I'm not trying to like talk smack to them or anything. I mean, nationals was fun right. like always, but it just, uh, I definitely enjoyed the stages last year over this year for sure. And I think some of that had to do with, um, the, just the way that Ohio, that range is set up. Um, our favorite stages, okay. all of my buddies, all of us loved zone three. Zone three had their new berms, their full 180 bays. I mean, the stages are just way more fun. And so, um, you had a you had a good uh, mix in zone three from what i saw definitely yeah no zone three had, if, if the whole match was like zone three i would have mm, like i mm. absolutely would have loved it so yeah because you had some big field courses you had some speed shoots you had a, you had a mix so mm -hmm. it was almost like its own little match in a way exactly you know? it was it felt more like one of our locals like our locals oh, are wow. at that level all the time and so it felt like like one of my old um in california uh rich like back at my old home club, you know, which is a positive and a negative. But I think some of the uh, most of my mistakes were mainly just um, I had two FTSAs and people that know me like that's really weird out of character for me. I typically get my stage plans locked in really good. And I just had a couple of flubs and, you know, it hurt me. So um, can is there anything you can attribute that to? Um, I think I over. Like, so for one of the stages, there was the three triangles and you had to start in the middle and grab a gun off the table. And I think maybe what I did wrong there, I had a really solid plan. And I feel like other than this one moment, I executed the plan extremely well. But okay. you had to, for my plan anyway, just to try to make it simple, I had to go right, shoot one piece of steel and a piece of paper. Okay. Or no, it was a piece of paper and then one steel. So, but then I had to retreat. So what I was really focusing on was getting my reload in and then retreating. So I think what I ended up doing is I shot that paper and I was thinking way too hard about trying to nail this reload that I absolutely forgot to shoot the steel and then do the reload. I was like, paper, reload. Mm. I was thinking about reload too much. And I 
absolutely nailed the reload. One of the best reloads I've ever done. And then retreated really hard after that. But I like I thought too hard about one thing that is kind of rudimentary. I know how to reload. Like so I think I just I shouldn't have put too much emphasis into perfecting like I have to get this reload perfect and then leave. And it, it cost me. So um Okay. Yeah. Now, do you use any journals to record what you do or things you learn in the matches, anything like that? Um, you know, I, I don't really, I do have in my phone, I have a, you know, in notes, I have something I call like a shooter's mindset. Sometimes I'll write things down to try to like remember. Um, I haven't added anything to it in a while. Sometimes I'll read through it before like a match or something and just kind of like, all right, remember to, you know, but it's just silly rudimentary things like, you know, grip the gun, right? Like don't try to go too fast. Worry about getting your heads and stuff, you know, nothing crazy, but a lot of it for me is um, what I do is watch my videos over and over and analyze like what I'm doing in the video. Um, but then I just, I don't know. I just store it in my head and it kind of stays there. I don't, I don't usually write it down. Well, and I ask because, like, this is the Lanny Basham version, um, and it's it's much more blank. Like, there are some mm-hmm. things, you know, that are pre-filled out, and you can go in and, and write under them. But one of the yeah. – I took the um, six-hour mental management class with Steve Anderson because I was like, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've done, I've done rifle competition and other stuff, so I'm like, I'm, I'm curious about this mental management mindset thing. So yeah. I took the class, and and Lanny Basham is uh, very adamant about using a journal to record, you know, what you're thinking, what you learned immediately, so you don't forget it down the road. Um, yeah. And then Aimsize, who I've got, I've got to do a couple of videos on this stuff, but um, they came out with their own version, a little different. I actually like it a little more because, whoop, which one am I going here? There we go. <laughs> uh, it, there's there's more like stuff written in it where it's prompting you for things. Gotcha. Uh, they both have their their pluses and their minuses, but I'm almost wondering if something like that interests you or no. For it might I would um. Maybe the Ames, uh, the second one you showed me, I'd probably be more yeah, interested. I'm Ames a terrible house. writer. So, like, having those prompts would probably be helpful to kind of help me think about what I need to think about. (laughs) Okay, yeah. um, And and it's interesting because they also have, like, weekly, quarterly, you know, it's very, and they have quotes and stuff in here. It's very interesting. It's a, they call it a shooting planner, but you could also consider it a journal because the the thing I do like that um, Steve and Lanny push is, you know recording your thoughts like at at the end of the match especially like things you know you did well things that need improvement and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so i feel like i do a lot of that in my head and i just think about it but i can i could definitely see where that would be a a pro and very helpful as well too but i i haven't done that though okay now now with the um benefit of 2020 hindsight is there looking back at nationals is there anything you would do differently throughout the match 
I would try, obviously, I think one of my other FTSAs was that I, I did my, you know, cardinal no-no, which is change your stage plan right before you go. Um, and I know that's a terrible mm. idea. Um, but me and Tom were talking about something. And then I was like, I think I was in the deep, deep hole. And I was like, you know, it actually doesn't sound like a terrible idea. And But I, being overconfident, was like, that's easy. I barely have to change my stage plan at all. Like, easy peasy. Totally left a freaking target now. So, and I knew it too. Mm. Like, I finished the stage and I was like, I was supposed to shoot something a little while ago. I was like, damn it. <laughs> I, I knew it immediately. I was so upset. I was like, dude, I can't believe I just did that. So I had to take a walk after that and get my clear my head. But um, I think one like so hindsight thing would be trying not to let incremental weather and stuff like that get in my head. Sometimes when it rains and I start getting wet and, you know, we started in a stage where like literally our shoes were completely filled with water for the rest of the day. Like, I mean, it's tough to not think about that, but, you know, right. and you can't control that. So there's not, you know, it's hard, like trying not to get upset about things I can't control and just try to push through it. Um, I, but I do feel like day one where it just rained and we had puddles on all the stages and just, I mean, my feet were soaked and just itchy all day. I mean, it was tough to not think about it, but I wish that I could try to somehow block that out better because I would have performed better trying, you know, not letting that get in my head. Now you shot Friday morning, right? Um, no, Friday afternoon. So it already oh, rained okay. like all morning. And mm. then there was like, yeah, most of the stages, like they had a uh, just giant puddles and you're just walking through them. And it just was, it's, you know, it's tough when you train in like moderately dry weather, like year round, it, it's different. Now your feet are soaked and they weigh more. And so it's like, you know, it's kind of like having, you know, reloading with full mags as opposed to empty mags. Like, you know, it's just, it's a different feeling than your indexes feel off or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, I was ill prepared I mean, all, for puddles. <laughs> even, even going into a position and stopping feels different because you have water coming out of your shoes and your shoes are not feeling the same way. So yeah, yeah I, to I totally of, get it. One of my mics immediately was I I'm good at being able to kind of break soon into a position to be able to roll my feet to stabilize and shoot a shot into position. So I can try to not, I'm not a, I'm not a person that tries to attack a position and then stop and plant my feet and shoot everything. I very much believe in like being able to shoot into a position. So that way you're like done and can get out of a position quickly. I attack targets as opposed to attacking positions. So one of the things, one of the first targets on one of the stages that I had a mic on, there was a, uh, there was a target and it was uh, half hard cover but there was a giant puddle there. And so when your brain, you see the ground and I think, okay, I can roll into this position and step here. And my brain thinks I see the top of the water. And I started thinking like, okay, I'm going to shoot this target as soon as I like start stepping into this position. But then my feet sank further down because there was like, you know, mm. the water's a couple inches deep. So instead of me shooting right. here, I stepped down and I shot down right into the black. And then it cost me a standing reload and it just was like, uh, it absolutely started my day off terribly because, you know, like I'm used to doing a certain thing and I needed to try to do a different technique, but I did not. And it messed me up. Interesting. Okay. Messed with your depth perception and your, when you're expecting your foot to hit the ground and it didn't. Yeah. Well, cause okay. you know, you walk the stages and the ground's there and then you get there the yeah. next day and you see the ground, but now it's, actually like 
this deep of water, but you're only seeing the surface. So I, you know, the timing, right. When you have, yep. when you get to a certain level, you have like certain timings that you do certain things and that absolutely me having the timing of stepping, but then falling like three inches deeper than I was expecting threw me off. So, um, okay. So I definitely, uh, I mean, I don't really know, like in hindsight, how I could like prepare better for that, but <laughs> just rain, shoot more matches where it rains a lot. I don't know. <laughs> Gore-Tex socks. Uh... Yeah, this is true. Yes. Right. Getting better uh, reindeer would be a good one. That's better hindsight. There you go. I agree with that. Now, did you and did you and Tom, so when you were down there, did you, did you guys share like an Airbnb or something or? Oh yeah. There was like eight or nine of us at an Airbnb. Yep. So did you guys talk about the next day before the next day? Like that night? Oh yeah. 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 We always, I mean, we dry fire like every night. <laughs> well, the, the first night we got there before we walked stages, we dry fired. There was a ping pong table there and we had a, a, a pretty awesome ping pong tournament uh, with all of us there. <laughs> we found out that I am terrible at ping pong, but, um, but other than that, every night before the match, yeah, I mean, we we're absolutely, we we're, we we're talking about stages, like things that went well, things that went wrong, you know, and uh, kind of talking about like, Hey, what are we going to do for tomorrow? How are we going to handle some of these stages? I mean, we definitely go through and having a giant group of buddies that are all on a pretty similar level, being able to talk about it was you know, it definitely helps as opposed to going by yourself or something, staying in a hotel room, like being able to converse with people helps. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, cause you're able to talk much more nuance in a group setting like that than by yourself. Cause everybody's got but, their own opinion. So it's good to hear everybody. Uh, yeah. Out. Yeah. And I mean, some look with eight or nine of you, my gosh, it's almost like nothing's going to escape that group. That's a big group. So mm -hmm. something you didn't pick up, chances are one of the other seven or eight did. So yep. it ends up making a good, but I, I know why you're not a good ping pong player, Tyler. Here's a, here's why. <laughs> so here's, here, here's your first free mental management class. You're all looking right. at it as ping pong and not table tennis. See, it's all there about perspective. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're looking at it from the casual shooter perspective, not the oh, I'm yes. going to win perspective. That's right. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so now what what are your USPSA goals? Um, first off, I just want to have fun, right? This is more fun to me. That's why I saw it. And that's why I try to, like, typically stay out of, like, the politics of it because it's just kind of messy. But I... Uh, I'm just here to shoot guns and have a good time. And a goal would be just to, you know, just continue to try to improve my skills. And I would, you know, my goal this year at Nats was to make top 10. That was my absolute goal. I was like, I want to make top 10. So I fell a little short Ooh. of that goal, kind of sad about it, but I mean, I absolutely wanted to, I mean, at area six, I got fourth place. I was like, I almost tied with Max Michelle. I mean, so I was like, I had that kind of confidence boost from area six. I was like, dude, I nailed it here. I, you know, and I did really good. I was right up there with the other pros. And I just, I think maybe I got a little overconfident going into Nats, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, it's just be competitive, keep working at it. You're always learning, trying to get better. And hopefully I can make top 10 next year. That's my goal. 
Okay. Now, if you have the same number of people and the same level of people show up, is top 10 a reasonable goal? I think so. I think with some of the, you know, already having analyzed some of my videos and stuff, like I know some of the things I need to work on and, um, you know, and some of those like mental mess ups that I made, you know, obviously I've learned from them already and hopefully next year don't make those same mistakes. And as long as I don't make any mistakes or have a bunch of penalties, then I feel like it's very attainable. Okay. You know, it's not something you think you would, let's say you're sitting 12th after day two. You don't think that trying to reach that would the trying to reach the goal cause you to overreach and overextend no, yourself on so. day three. I'm okay. already, once that beep goes off, I'm already going what I think is hundred percent in my mind. So me trying to do anything extra is just going to cause more mistakes or penalties. Absolutely. Right. So, and I train that by that kind of mindset by even just every match I go to, if I make any mistake, this is where a lot of people, if they make, they mess up a reload or have a jam, and then they always try to go like faster to make up that mistake with like time and on that never works out. So anytime I have any kind of mistake, it's always actually just hunker down all alphas now. Like I've made a mistake. I can't change that. I have to get all the points now. And then I go back to, I like how Nils always says harvest the alphas. So I just, if I have any kind of mistake, hunker down, harvest alphas and like just power through that stage as best I can after that, but don't try to do anything extra because you're just going to make extra mistakes. Okay. Yeah. He has, he has a different way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a lot of, a lot of sayings like that, you know? Yeah. No, that one resonated with me a lot. I'd harvest all the alphas that I can now, but the, uh, like, so even at this Nats, you know, after day two, I think I was sitting at like 40 something. It's, you know, and you look at it and it does the predictions and it thought I was going to get 40 something, but I was just like, anything can happen. Well, you know, like, and I had a really strong third day. I did end up having, um, I did one, I, one of my FTSAs was on the, the third day, but it just was, uh, you know, I'd still on, overall had a very strong day and I ended up in 27th instead of 40 something, you know? So, I mean, that right there, it proved that I don't, I didn't feel like I was overreaching. I just, I just shoot my game. I just do what I can do and that's all I can do. Okay. And so yeah, you don't, other people you mess don't... up cause they're trying to overreach. Then that works out for me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You're the benefactor. Yeah. So, and what I was getting at was you answered it and that basically you don't let the goal you have creep into your mind and affect the speed with which you shoot. You just try try to shoot your normal hundred. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned you did, you were fourth at area six. I always think that those one day matches, um, are not as clear an indicator because I feel like when you're shooting multiple days, it turns into a, a marathon almost. So mm-hmm. we're there. I it, can agree with that. It gives you, it gives you an opportunity to catch up, but it also gives you an opportunity to drop back. You know what I mean? Like Definitely. with, because like you, with JJ. you have a good day or a bad day, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Like with JJ, if you're I mean, having a bad had day, been, you have to do it all. <laughs> yeah. You know, like when I, my first nationals, Wanzik was leading 
Carry Optics Nationals after day one. Then day two, Max Michaud comes in and wins seven, six out of seven stages and was second on the other one and basically said bye-bye to the rest of the field. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So I feel like those those multiple days are hard because it gives your your competition an opportunity, like Christian Seiler, to right the boat and and start chugging. You know what I mean? So it it works both ways. It's hard. I guess those, I figured are, he would do uh, that anyway, shoot. though. That's my kind of thought on that. Like, we already expect him to do well. I don't think he's looking at the stages going like, oh, man, well, if I just do, like, make more alphas here, then I'll win this stage. I mean, and if he is, then he is. I, I just, but I already assume that he's going to kick ass because he's just shooting, and that's what he does well. Um, right. But I, where I think the, the multiple day turning into a marathon, like, because I've had days where I've had, like, even – like I've had area matches back in the day before COVID where there were two day matches and I had like a really awesome first day and a really crappy second day. And it's like, you know, and there's times where I was like, man, I wish I just shot all the stages today. I would have nailed it, you know? And then, right. so I, I do like, and I dislike it. So it doesn't, I don't know. I, I feel like at the end of the day, it wouldn't matter because it's like, I, I'm either going to have a good day or I'm not. And I just have to try to execute my plans and, if I have multiple days, you know, or just one day, I'm going to try to do the same thing. It doesn't, it's not going to affect how I do it. Yeah. I, but that's what I like about the multiple day format of like nationals. Like mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I like Todd Jarrett. I respect him. The one thing I would disagree with him about is the one day nationals being at an area match, like he's proposed because it mm-hmm. takes away that marathon feel like, you have to perform well each day, at least consistent, mm-hmm. to to be at the top. You know what I mean? And there's no with way one... I would be able to do 20 stages in a day. That's way too much. So I definitely, yeah. oh, with yeah. that many stages, it has to be multiple days. There's no doubt about that. Well, and, and he's talked about, you know, like a 12, He, he in his mind, he, or he actually said this was, you know, do you, do you need 20 stages for a Nationals? And do you? No. But when you reduce the number of stages, it it reduces that need to be, I I guess you could say it goes both ways. If you bomb a stage, it might be harder to make it up. But at the same time, like you said, if you're having a good day, then you just, you just happen to shoot that match on a great day for you. But what would have happened on day two and day three? Would you have Mm -hmm. been as good? You know, so I like I would actually like to see it more on a world shoot where it's a four or five day nationals where you bring everybody together and you have a day break and you shoot three, four days over four or five days, more competitors, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not shooting necessarily any more stages that day. But it breaks it up and it makes you be consistent over multiple Mm -hmm. days. And then you find out who really are the very good shooters because they'll be consistent. Yeah. No, I agree with that. So. Now, do you have any, do you have any Ipsic goals? Um, I think in the past, I, I was like, it'd be cool to be on the world team, you know, world shoot team or something like that. I think currently it's not, not something I'm like really like thinking about per se. Um, I wouldn't be like opposed to it either. But, um, I mean, a lot of it now is just coming down to just 
the cost of having to go to all these big matches and all that stuff. And yeah. I mean, the fact that they, you know, honestly, where I'm at right now, I wouldn't be able to afford to go across the world and go shoot something. So, I mean, a lot of that comes down to just like cost at that point. If like there was a way that somehow, you know, we could pay for our teams to go to other countries, then obviously I'd be in. Um, but financial stuff makes it a little difficult. <laughs> So. Yeah, it would it would be nice if if the organization could get to a financial standing where, you know, even have sponsors help pay mm -hmm. to send the team overseas, you know, in a perfect world. Would right. Nice. But, you know, we just we are yeah. where we are. and There's not much we can do about it at the moment, I don't think so. It just, you know, it doesn't like bum me out or anything. It just it is the reality. So it just is what it is. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I, and look, I mean, your wife can only be so supportive. So <laughs> right? it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I have I have two questions left for you. Mm -hmm. The first one is, what does your make ready look like? Um, I will say that it's not a typical GM make ready where they take like five minutes. Okay. I don't really feel like okay. I need five minutes. Um, I kind of just... If I overthink it, then I start to mess up. So I, a lot of it's just I get a couple. I, what I do is I try to get to the line before the RO, and then I get my my stance, and I wait. And the moment they say make ready, I try to draw. So it's like a practice draw, like mm. as if I was waiting for the beep. Yeah. Um, and then you know I'll make sure my dots the right brightness because um, I've done that before where I you know, the clouds went away and then it was sunnier. And then I didn't check and I was like, I can't see my dot anymore. And I had to like turn it up, you know? Um, so I always get a practice drawing, like a candid random practice draw. Cause I don't know when they're going to say make ready. Um, so there's that. And then I load, make sure the dots, right. You know, practice my draw a couple times. And then right before, you know, I'll, I'll try to, you know, close my eyes and visualize the stage. Um, so that way my whole thing is, is I'm, I'm going to try to shoot, you know, if I've already shot it in my mind, exactly how I think I would shoot it, then I've already like shot it once. And so I can kind of like, um, I'll step back a little bit further too, really quick. During our walkthroughs, I always try to find a time or two where I can run it at my actual full speed. Not, mm. um, not just walk. I try to like let people go in front of me for a little while. And then when they're like, maybe almost done with the stage, then I run it as fast as I would run it. Because that's when I find out, like, shit, if I go full speed right here, I'm going to overrun this target, like going the speed that I go. Mm. And so then it teaches me during my walkthrough, I need to throttle up or down in certain positions. So that way I know before I even get to the stage where I need to throttle up and down. And then, so then going back forward, then I'm visualizing my stage. I run it through it real quick where I'm going to do all the things, what I need to focus on. And if I focus too hard on I need to reload here, then obviously I screwed up. But... The main thing too is right before, you know, I always have my hands up like where my position one is on my draw, which you'll learn later. And before I do that, I just make sure I flex all my arms and all the parts of my body that I'm going to use for my grip. So I kind of like remind myself, like, you know, crush the gun, grip the gun, like use all your muscles that you have to do that. And then I'll tell myself like something uh, lately it's been like get all alphas so I'll flex all my arms so i'm like all right remember to grip the gun right get all alphas and then i put my hands down 
So that way I get um, my my buddy Kent used to tell me that alphas are a mindset. And I uh, I didn't believe that until I became a, you know, Grammy. I mean, he was telling me this year two. Alphas are a mindset. Alphas are a mindset. I never believed it. But um, at this level now, I definitely do believe that if you tell yourself to get alphas, you will get them. And you can still go the same speed that you would go. But you have to – it's kind of a mental – focus thing i guess i don't know but uh yeah so i just remind myself to grip the gun good get all alphas don't do anything stupid and then go for it <laughs> all right <clears throat> all right now the last one you said that you try to stay out of the politics because you don't like it but the politics can affect the fun um mm -hmm. so did you and i'm not asking who but did you vote for Area Six? Yeah, I voted for president in Area Six, and um, okay, you know it was a tough one because I okay. feel like I like Matt and I like Kyle a lot. I I shoot with Matt. He moved our uh, area recently. We you know, and we uh, we hang out all the time and shoot matches all the time now. I get to pick his brain a lot. I really like Matt. Very good person and. Every major I go to, Kyle's there, whether he's the range master or whatever. And so I've gotten to talk to Kyle a lot. We pick it, you know, I, I think they both would do a really good job. Um, but one thing that kind of kills me right now is Yimin is actually, he's one of my really good friends. He was the president of the club okay. that I started at. So I've shot with Yimin mm. for years. I know him very well, more than most people do. And, um, you know, I think that he's really getting a, uh, you know, kind of a bad, bad thing happening to him. And I don't, I don't agree with it at all because people don't know I, him, how they, you know, they only see the surface I, value. Well, and I, I think a lot of us agree with that sentiment. So. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you don't, that's fine. I mean, not everybody has to like everybody. I mean, Ben doesn't like you, man. That's fine. Right. It doesn't make me like Ben any less. Everybody. That's the great thing about all this is we have our own opinions and it's fine. So, um, but I really do like you, man. And I feel like I'm sure he could have got more done if the board wasn't fighting him the whole time. Um, I don't think he's, he's trying to be, you know, he's trying to do what he can without, I mean, you have, you have an entire board that you have to basically get them to agree with you. And if they all are kind of the good old boys club and want to do it their way, it's kind of hard to do anything. So, um, I don't know. Other than that. And, yeah. and I think area six is a tough election because I think regardless of who you pick there, I think the organization benefits I think in so. different ways for each one, but yep. it does. So that's, think, that's yeah, a much harder. Them. And I don't really yeah. know Ben Barry. Um, I've never shot with him or anything. I don't really have any like real, good or bad opinions on him at all. Um, the only thing I feel like I've heard is he was on a podcast talking about how he believes that nationals should just be grandmasters and masters only. And I completely disagree with that. I believe that everybody should have a chance to compete and participate in the sport. So I absolutely disagree with that. Um, but, you know, other than that, I don't know the guy, so I have no real opinion on it. But, um, but yeah, I think they and, all and probably have pros and cons, so. Right. And, and I agree with you. I don't agree with Ben in that regard. 
mm-hmm. because I think that's what makes this sport unique is that, you know, B-class Dave or whomever can go to nationals and shoot the exact same matches, JJ and Christian and Nils and Max and Jacob yeah. And literally see see exactly, (laughs) yeah, in a head-to-head comparison, not competition, because there's, Mm -hmm. it's not, I'm not competing against them, but I can see exactly where I compare in the exact same match. And I think that's part of the fun. And like, you know, yeah. And that's how we get revenue. People pay to go to the sport. It's like, so how is the how is the sport going to survive if we don't allow everybody to pay for it? <laughs> but and then, um, you know, and I wasn't always a GM. I was just a GM in the last year. Like I, for five years, I wouldn't have been able to participate at majors. I feel like that would be very irritating. But um, and and you know, would you have the same drive them. if you couldn't? No, because I'd be like, oh, team. well, I'm not good enough, so I might as well give up. I feel like that would discourage a lot of people. We need to give people the the opportunity to go and get that mindset and that opportunity to see how majors run and like nationals run. And, you know, you just, you got to give them a chance to get good. You can't just tell them no. So, I mean, what I do private lessons, I, I have several classes like every month. And I mean, that's my big thing. I want to get everybody better. I want everybody to enjoy the sport. And uh, so yeah okay well tyler i appreciate the conversation um it's been good very good uh hopefully we can do this again sometime but is there anything you felt that we needed to go back and finish up or did we are you good with everything we talked about i feel like everything is pretty good i guess the only like the final thing i just you know when it goes to like nationals i hope that they can start maybe allowing maybe people to submit stages to like maybe section coordinators and section coordinators can submit stages for nationals. So we could try to have different flavors Mm -hmm. and uh, instead of a one size fits all kind of thing that they've been doing, you know, and I, Shannon does a great job. I do like his stages, but I, you know, if you're doing a lot of the same thing, I feel like, uh, I feel like having different flavors would benefit nationals big time and allowing people to submit stages and, you know, you don't have to use them. You just pick the ones, you know, have a meeting and pick ones you think will work good and test different abilities. Well, and, and I, I concur. And I would even say, cause this is part of the conversation I have with other people was you have three range masters coming in and you have a match director. So that, that could be your quote unquote committee. All right. Yeah you know, range master one, this is your section, range master two, range master three, you guys sit down and and pick those stages you want to put in your section. And Mm -hmm. then we'll all sit here and talk about them. Make sure we have a good balance and boom, everybody go your way. Yep. yep. All right. Well, again, thank you for coming on. It's been a great conversation and I hope we do this again. Heck yeah, man. Thank you very much. See you guys on the range. Until next time, don't be a little bitch. Yeah.